Hi, welcome to the Recalculating Life podcast, helping you navigate the detours of life. I'm your host, Vijay Arora. I interview professionals of various careers to provide insight into their work experiences, education, lifestyle, and more, as well as discussing important topics in life. Discover your interests and aspirations with your host, Vijay Arora. In this episode, I speak with Nishu Sooth, a senior equity analyst at UBS. With a substantial background in banking and consulting, as well as a degree in economics and an MBA from Columbia University, he provides excellent insight and information. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Mr. Sood. Thank you so much for being here. And just to start, if you could please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, yeah, so first, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's really uh, an honor to be on your podcast. So I am an equity analyst or a stock analyst is what a lot of people call it um, on Wall Street. And I work at one of the bulge bracket firms, which just means one of the larger investment banks called UBS. It's headquartered out of Switzerland, but it has uh, you know, operations around the world. And so when you're a stock analyst, you focus on a specific sector. And my sector is related to building things. So that includes a couple different types of companies. And those are home builders or the companies that build homes. They build the suburbs, basically. There are the companies that make the things that go into those houses. So the walls, the floors, the ceilings, the doors, everything that goes into the house. And then there are other companies that are involved in, uh, you know, making materials for, uh, you know, roads and bridges and highways. And so those companies make things like cement and uh, concrete. So I, as a stock analyst, you... Uh, you basically have to get to know all of those companies really well. And then if someone wants to invest in that stock, they want to know, is that a good idea or not? And what's going on with that company? And so the stock analyst serves as an expert reference for investors. Right. So like, who exactly do you serve as an expert for? Like, who asked you if they should invest in that stock? So institutional investors mainly you can think about people who invest in stocks as being, you and I could buy 100 shares of Apple. Well, maybe not anymore. 100 shares of Apple has gotten really expensive. But uh, let's say we were going to buy, uh, you know, 100 shares of Google or whatever company you're, you're thinking of. We would be called retail investors or individual investors. Then there are investors that are taking larger pools of money. So one way to think about it is this. Uh, you might buy a mutual fund yeah. and then there's a fund manager at the mutual fund because you don't want to go through the process of having to keep track of all the stocks in the market. So you trust someone else to do it. And so that mutual fund manager would be the person that I would talk to. Or if let's say you're a teacher and you have a pension in California, let's say one of the, those pension associations have money that they're trying to manage until those teachers retire. And so those pension funds are institutional investors. I might talk to them or they might invest in another fund, which invests in the stock market. So it's institutional investors that I am dealing with mainly. So like larger sums of money. So how did, do you get to choose which sector 
you focused on or was it chosen for you or how long have you been like on the construction or building sector? So I've been following this sector for nearly 20 years and I knew I wanted to be a stock analyst, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have strong ideas or preferences. So when I interviewed for positions, it was generally in, uh, in, in stock analysis or equity research as it's called. And so this was the sector that uh, there was an opening on. So that's how I started in it. And 20 years later, that's, that's what I, that's what I do. So you've been doing it for a pretty long time. Like when did you know you wanted to be a stock analyst and like plan to end up where you are? So investing is something that I think a lot of people are interested in. So where are you going to invest your money? First of all, if you take a step back from investments, you save. What do you do with that? Yeah. Do you want to just put it in the bank? It doesn't really do much for you there. It's available if you need it, which is very valuable. So if something happens, you know, let's suppose you, there, there's some, your roof leaks, you need some money. It's there in the bank. That's great. What about the money beyond what you would need for emergencies? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to invest it? You could start a business. So there's a lot of people that, uh, that start businesses. You can invest in someone else's business privately, or you can invest in the stock market. The whole investment world, though, is really interesting because you have to get to know a, a business and everything that might affect it. So if you're thinking about the companies that make houses, that build out the suburbs, you have to understand what's going on with the population. You know, how many people are having kids? Because when people have kids, they move. How many people are between the age of 22 and 30? Because that age group tends to like to live in cities. What happens when those 22 to 30-year-olds become 30, 30 to 40 year olds, they yeah. tend to want to live in a house in the suburbs somewhere. So yeah. you have to understand how the population works. You have to understand what's going on with interest rates because if you know if the uh, interest rate goes down, it becomes cheaper to buy a house because the mortgage rate or the interest rate that you're paying to borrow money to buy a house goes down. Then there's the way that people live. Uh, COVID-19 has caused demand for houses to go through the roof. I mean, it is really just astonishing how strong the demand for houses has been. Why would that be? Well, people are now saying, I can't go to work anymore. I can't go to restaurants. Where am I all day? I'm in my home. Do I like my home? Actually, if I'm gonna be mostly at home for the next year and a half, then I need to buy a bigger house. I need to have an office where I can work. I need to have more separate spaces. You know how a lot of homes are open concept? Yeah. A lot of people right now are saying, I don't want open concept. If I have to have my two kids over there studying and my partner is working and I'm working, then we need separate spaces. So anyway, that's just a long way of saying investing is a really interesting area. And I used to work as a consultant to major companies. So I looked at businesses as a consultant and I said, I want to get into the investment business. And so I chose equity research because as opposed to doing directly the investing myself, I wanted to specialize in a sector 
and I, you really get to dive deep into things and think about things really on a much more detailed level when you specialize in just one sector. So that was the process by which I decided that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, I've been finding an interest in investing in like personal finance, doing research in like IRAs and stock market and stuff like that. So it's pretty, pretty interesting to me. Like, what does the day to day of your job look like? It is so different every day. Mm -hmm. um, so for public companies, let me just describe a few of the things that happen. And this is just a few of the things of many, many different things. So each public company has to report to its shareholders how it's doing. Yeah. How are our sales? Did we make money? What are we spending money on? Are we investing in the business, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, so those are, they do that four times a year or quarterly. And so when they do that, there's just information overload because you have, there are 5,000 companies in the stock market and they all report four times a year. And you just think about, and if you're covering a particular sector, that doesn't mean that's all you pay attention to. If I am covering the companies or I'm following the companies that make, for example, faucets that go into a house, those faucets also sell at Home Depot. Mm -hmm. So if Home Depot says our demand has gone through the roof because everyone is at home for COVID, I need to know what Home Depot is saying as well. So during the time that they report earnings is called earnings season. It's a strange phrase, but that's what they call it. It's the season of earnings and you have to pay attention. You're just simply trying to absorb a lot of information. Then in between those periods, there might be industry events. So the largest trade show in the world, it's a really fun one to go to. Well, these aren't happening anymore. But when it did happen was because the Consumer Electronics Show, it's where they show in Las Vegas, 125,000, 150,000 people are going to that a year. And uh, the second largest show is the Builders Show where they showcase all of the different products that can go into us. Everything from the latest in, you know, uh, stainless steel appliances. They have smart showers now. Before you go into the shower, you just say, Alexa, turn on my shower to 98 degrees and it'll turn it on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they showcase all those products, uh, the flashy ones, the not so flashy ones. You know, if there's a new subfloor, that's not really interesting to you or I. Actually, it is because when we walk on our floor, we notice it every day. We just don't pay attention to it. Um, but so there's trade shows. Then there's, I'm not sure if you've heard of alternative data, but uh, uh, your phone tracks where you are all the time. Mm -hmm. What if I wanted to know, um, are people, so I not only cover housing, but also uh, commercial buildings or commercial construction. I can tell from your phone whether or not you have been into an office lately. I can tell whether or not you're going to Sam's Club or to Costco. And so alternative data is the use of all the new forms of data that are coming out of our digital lives to be able to tell what's going on. Uh, so I might spend another day looking into alternative data. It's something I was doing recently. I was looking at whether, uh, you know, there are certain Google search terms that can tell me whether or not people are more or less interested in buying a house or not. That's just three things. There are so many more things than that. I didn't mention, you know, the writing of reports or speaking to, uh, to, to clients. 
So, so there's, it's different every day. So I'm just out of curiosity. I think I've been hearing about like earnings reports. Are they coming out right now? Because I've been seeing a lot of stuff about different reports on certain companies right now. Yes, we are right at the end of earnings season. So most companies report earnings on a calendar year, four times a year, which means they do January to March, April to June, uh, July through, through uh, September, and then October through December. So we are now hearing about, or in the recent weeks we've been hearing about the quarter that ended in June. So April, April to June. It normally, you think about the amount of financial information in a company, it takes them a few weeks to put it together and to process it and to the accountants have to review it. There's a lot of reviewing that goes on. The lawyers have to review it. They have to think about how they're going to explain it to investors. Uh, They're going to have to think about what they're going to say about the future, what the current trends were. So the June quarter the first companies to talk about it would have been somewhere around July 20th. And, you know, in the first week or two of August, it kind of ends. It goes on for about three or four weeks each quarter. Okay. So you, there's a lot of stuff you have to analyze and like more than you can even count. But do, does the general population have access to the things you analyze or do you have special access to different information as a stock um, analyst? The business has changed a lot over the years. There's been a democratization of information Mm -hmm. and you are able to access information a lot more easily. So the filings that companies have with the SEC, which is where they, they, they're, it's a very regulated, it's a highly regulated business. And so when they have a quarterly report, their earnings, they put out a quarterly, a 10Q it's called. It has all of the information that happened about what happened in that quarter. They also put out a press release when they first put out their information, which is a short form and it has a lot of text in it. Uh, that comes earlier and they will also file that with the SEC. Those, that kind of information is all readily available to anyone and it's a lot more accessible than it used to be. When I first started the business, you had to get paper copies of it and it was very cumbersome. And now it's available, you know, very, very easily. Then there's more um, advanced pieces of information. Like if you want to know one of the companies that uh, uh, is in my industry is uh, makes roofing, right? And so uh, if you want to know what's going on with roofing, you need to subscribe to the American Roofing Manufacturers Association data. So that's something you would have to pay for. Um, Then all this alternative data, uh, the company that I work at has a special alternative data arm, which is one of the largest efforts on uh, on Wall Street, and it uh, uh, it is it's solely dedicated to generating alternative data. So I would have access to those resources; others wouldn't. There are a lot of you know data services that are available. There's surveys. I try to create information or content. Uh, that, uh, that, that, that would be valuable to investors. That's the whole point of, of what I do. And so there are differences between what an individual investor can look at and what uh, an institutional investor can look at, but that gap has narrowed a lot over the years. Okay, so when you're advising different 
companies and institutional investors, how do you measure success in your business and role? Like what is considered success? Very simply that they value what I'm writing and what I'm saying, that they pay attention. I mean, the best way to think about it is that, you know, you're a successful uh, blogger or, you know, you're a successful Instagram star when, you know, an influencer, the more followers you have. That's the way that this business works as well. Uh, specifically, the, a lot of the uh, investment firms, they, they have votes and they poll their investors and they say, who is most useful to you for the building sector? And, uh, and then they will say, this, you know, these are the people that were most useful. The more mentions you get like that is basically the same thing as getting more followers or subscribers. I, the, the main product that I put out is published research reports. How many reads do those get? That can be tracked. How many people are subscribed to them? Uh, that can be tracked. And then how many people call me up and say, hey, listen, you published something really interesting. Let's talk about it. That can be tracked as well. So there are quite a few concrete things that you can look at to see if you're making an impact or not. So it's like how many people take your advice and follow up or follow through on it? Um, you don't know whether they have followed through on it or not because most investors keep their what their investment decisions or how they exactly make them, they keep that very secret because they don't want to share that. That's their secret sauce. So if they have a particular way of lining companies up or if they have a particular thesis, they might be saying, there might be some companies that are saying, uh, we think that uh, this demand for housing is going to continue for well past when there's a vaccine for COVID-19 so we want to own things that are related to being at home. We want to own uh, housing companies. We want to own, uh, you know, flooring companies because people will be making investments in their homes and they might buy more floors. Uh, so um, they don't necessarily want to share that with other folks, but they will explicitly in the vote say, you know, these people are more interested, are more valuable than, uh, than others. Okay. And, would you change anything about your job if you could? Um, it, uh, it's a really interesting job. Um, it has, you know, the, uh, uh, the regulations, you know, for the financial service industry is highly regulated for good reasons, but oftentimes regulations don't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's hard from a top-down uh, basis to, 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 you know, to, 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 to regulate things very carefully. So um, I think, you know, I, 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 you know I, if I could change anything, I might say that, you know, things that would make it, uh, uh, you know, more transparent or more, um, uh, you know, more, more effective or more efficient. Um, and, uh, uh, but but that's, that's the main thing I would say. It's like pre-coronavirus um, and like normal going to the office, how was your like home life? Did you get to spend time with your family while, work, like, while also working at this job? It is any job in financial services is going to be quite intense. 
and there's going to be a lot of travel involved. So creating, having success longer term and also to create a work-life balance is a constant challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, so it depends on the person. It's easy to get lost in, it's not just financial services, but any number of professions that challenge you uh, that challenge your mind, that uh, you know, really put you under a positive stress where you have to perform. And, uh, and again, there's so many different jobs like that. So it's like a lot, a lot of those other ones. Because your client base is scattered throughout the US and the world, it does involve more travel than I'd say some other, some other jobs. But uh, it like, like a lot of these things, it's up to where you have a lot of autonomy it's, it's up to you to, uh, to, to make that balance. So, so that is something that's important to me. So uh, I, I make choices that allow me to, to uh, you know, to have a good uh, work-life balance. Well, that's good. Like, I think it's really important to find that balance. And you mentioned like more long-term success and we've been focusing mainly on your current job, but maybe if you could delve into your previous education or previous jobs and how that has like grown into where you are now. So equity research is an interesting profession because the career path involves first starting in a support role and then becoming the uh, lead analyst or the lead person who leads a team, a small team. And then that's effectively it. And then your success longer term is built upon the following that you attract, which is in part driven by your experience and your knowledge. So as someone that's been covering the sector for 20 years, I can draw back on experiences from the great housing boom and bust, uh, which was so many years ago now, right? That was in uh, 2006. So the more experience you have, the more valuable you become to, uh, to, to investors. Prior to this, what do people do before this? I worked in management consulting and then came into this. Uh, that's a path that some people follow. There's quite a variety of different uh, uh, backgrounds of, of people that, uh, that, that get into it. There are people that come straight out of either undergraduate or, or graduate. Uh, a lot of times people have some type of financial background before, or you know, some background in financial services before getting into uh, uh, you know, uh, equity research. And, uh, so, so there's a variety of different paths to, to, to get into it. So, um, you majored in economics at Columbia, correct? That's right. So do you think that has helped you or like set a foundation to help you get to where you are now? Ab absolutely. Uh, if you consider the study of economics, micro and macro, Macroeconomics, I mentioned, is critical. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're talking about uh, macroeconomics and the things that affect uh, growth, economic growth, inflation, uh, job growth, if you're go income growth, if you're going to be, what causes people to invest in their homes, apart from unusual things like COVID that we talked about, is the economy going well? Uh, are people moving for their jobs? You know, how much does it cost to build a house? And then there's microeconomics. So there are, if we get into a, a, a specific industry, how do they compete with each other? 
we may never, you may never think about wallboard, right? Which is what the walls all around you are, are, are made of, or gypsum wallboard is called. There are seven manufacturers. Are they, how do they set prices? Are there prices, to, uh, you know, do they, are they setting prices in, in concert? Uh, are they, you know, how are they making decisions about how to best maximize their profitability? Um, how does a, uh, a home builder decide how to price a home? What's the best uh, uh, pricing strategy? So a lot of, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what you begin to understand in economics, you know, the basic concepts lead to, uh, you know, to set the stage for learning specifically about the industry that you follow. As a like teenager, I'm trying to figure out like what I want to do. And I do have a particular interest in economics. So like for like teenagers, people my age in high school, what can we do now to set a foundation and put us on a path to maybe potentially get where you are in the future or something like that? So I think that um, the investing business is something that people just have a passion for. And they might discover it very early on. The idea to build something that creates value, you know, obviously the, the classic American example of the lemonade stand, you know, if I take uh, lemons and I put in some time and some effort and some sugar and some water and some ice, I can, you know, I can create something that creates value for the people who are so hot and they're thirsty when they're driving down the street or whatever. And uh, uh, myself as well, I can have the, the, uh, the pleasure of creating something and I can, and, 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 and I make some money doing that as well. So now I can go out and uh, uh, if I get an allowance, I can have a little bit more, more money, more money than that. I'm thinking about obviously little kids, but as you, that sets the stage for, you know, as you begin to explore the stock market, and, you know, businesses, people start businesses younger and younger. We all know the story of Facebook and how that was started by, uh, by Mark Zuckerberg when he was a sophomore, right, I think. And uh, so, so the interest in, in, in what drives businesses to succeed or not and how they add value or not. And uh, uh, so studying the actual firsthand experience, I think, matters a lot. You know, are you looking at those things? Are you curious about them? Investing in the stock market, paying attention to what is happening in the world as it, you know, uh, reading the, the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, and, uh, and it sounds like you're, you're paying attention to what companies are reporting. Mm -hmm. And uh, even, so I think a lot of those things are, are, are just as important uh, as, uh, you know, formally studying it once you, once you get to school. Okay, so... Well, like talking about like now, are there any lessons that you learned when you were in high school or like growing up or things that have shaped who you are that you think have helped bring out traits in yourself that helped you get to where you are? So um, I think the experiences of, uh, you know, of, of working the, uh, the summer jobs, I know that that's gone away. Uh, more and now that uh, you know there's a lot more focus on uh, specific activities and you know I mean obviously the things I think that uh, that teenagers and college students do are a lot more uh, you know impressive and obviously you learn a lot more for them but I think the value of, of you know having having a job during the summer I think begins to teach you what it's like being inside a business uh, I worked on a uh, uh, for a painting company 
uh, when I was, uh, uh, you know, in high school one summer. And I was the youngest person on the crew. And so they hired me when there was the peak of summer painting. A lot of people paint during the summer because you can do exterior projects. And then I was the youngest and least experienced person on the crew. So when the business turned down, they said, we don't need you to come in anymore. And immediately, that was a very important lesson. I was uh, uh, obviously quite devastated by that. And then, you know, I didn't have as much, uh, <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't uh, uh, you know, obviously making, making any money from that job anymore. But then once I understood that there was, they didn't have as many jobs. And uh, so, so it gave me an insight into, uh, you know, people paint more during the summer. And uh, so they, these are, these are shorter term jobs. And so I think uh, just, just experiences like that uh, uh, directly, I think are, 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 you know, we're, we're pretty important in, uh, in beginning to learn about how, how things work. Right. So you somewhat mentioned that like summer jobs aren't as prominent as they now, as they were then, like, you say internships and those types of experiences can function in a similar way and give you that good experience? Absolutely. To be directly in a business. I mean, and it, if, if it's a meaningful one where you're actually being exposed to how things are happening and what works, I think that sort of exposure is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just to wrap it up, if you could give one piece of advice or a lesson based on your experience to teenagers today, what would it be? So I think it really is um, that, uh, you know, so that, that people should let their interests and their passions lead them in the direction that makes most sense for them. So when I first got into nowadays, working in the tech industry is the most exciting thing. I can imagine that a lot of teenagers or, you know, people who are in college, that's what they want to do because that's what seems most exciting. Those are the biggest companies. Those are the fastest growing. That's where you can make the most money. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, you know, you can, you can be very successful when you're very young. When I was a teenager and in college, it was financial services. And that was probably a part of the influence in terms of my, my seeking that out. It's not the same way anymore. Not that people don't want to go into financial service anymore, but I think people are more interested in tech. So um, I'm very happy with where I ended up, but it's also because it naturally suits what sort of person I am. Uh, when you're a stock analyst, you know, being skeptical helps, being curious about things. Uh, you know, having to articulate your ideas, the challenge of having the challenge of trying to keep track of everything that might affect uh, the industries that you follow. Uh, so, so it naturally suits me. The, the most important thing I think about having a long-term and successful career is that if you find something that suits you, it may not be the most popular thing at that moment, mm -hmm. but if it suits you well, it will, and you're happy doing it, then that's well can lead to uh, you know to a long and successful uh, career and whatever that ends up being. That kind of reminds you of the like phrase: if you enjoy what if you enjoy your job, then you really don't work a day in your life, and that kind of sounds like a good thing to have. So exactly. So well, thank you so much for your time. Great um, talking to you, and provide a lot of insight that I found really useful. So thank you so much. No, thank you so much for for having me, and it was a pleasure. Uh, to, to do this discussion with you. Great, thank you. 
Today I spoke with Nishu Sooth about his career experience as an equity analyst as well as lessons from his life experience. I hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for our next episode.